There are a whole lot of really big allegations against Binance. And the problem is that when I look at the allegations against Binance and I compare them to the chart, it's not painting a really good picture. And I'll show you why. I'll show you why. So remember in, remember, um, in, 20, uh, in 2022, last year, where we had like the higher high print over here. So like you had like a higher high. You had this pattern forming where Bitcoin was about to break up. And then we had this like, destructive wick when FTX broke down. Well, now the fractals are looking exactly the same. And either we're going to repeat a 2019 structure, which looks something like this, where we touch the line. So, you know, you keep the higher high and then we go straight back up. Or we could be repeating 2022, in which case we get another big, ugly red candle that goes down here. And if if that is the candle, then I guess the one thing that could cause a candle like that, in fact, the only thing that could cause a candle like that is Binance. So we've got to look at the allegations against Binance today and a whole lot of other regulatory attacks that are happening and the effect that they're having on crypto because those effects are actually very big. I want to show you another chart here. So if you look at this chart, this is the hourly chart of Bitcoin. You can see that we've had this red candle, which was called by Silvergate Bank. And then ever since then, we've just had no movement. It's almost like Bitcoin is dead. It's completely flatlined. I'm going to show you that actually these two things are related. This red candle, this Silvergate red candle, and this are actually part of a much, much, much bigger story. So listen, there's a lot to talk about today. I know it feels like a, a dry and dull day in the crypto lands, but there's a lot to talk about today. So let's do this. Let's do this. Fuck out of bed, bitch, go. Get up, get up, and then they got go. Gotta wake up, gotta wake up, bitch, get up. Get up, get up, get up. If you hear us, say present, present, Stuart, last side, if you hear us, say present, Gonzo, if you hear say present, up for ik. No, 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 that's not present. Time out, if you hear us, say present, Todd Stadler, if you hear us, say present, Ed Casares, if you hear us, say present, Bantagal, I know you're present, James was talking about you before the beginning of the show, um, James, do you want to tell Bantagal what you asked me about it, in, in before the show? He was asking that. We met, yeah, we met in Prague. We uh, Not in Prague, we met in Lisbon. She is from Prague. She has invited me to go and visit her in Prague. She hasn't told her husband though, so we have to, it's a discussion we have to have. All right, listen, lots to talk about today. First of all, first of all, first of all, I don't know what you guys want me to do here. In the Discord, I've published 20 user IDs, okay? 20 user IDs. I, I published 10 user IDs for Bybit and 10 user IDs for BitGet. And we said the first person to, to say, hey, that's my user ID gets the Rolex. So far, no one's claimed the Rolex watches. So do me a favor, just go to the Discord and claim the Rolex watches so we can get two new Rolex watches. You see how it works? Please go there now. There's a link below. Um, claim the Rolexes. 
if we don't give the Rolexes away by the end of March, if these Rolexes aren't given away by the end of March, I'm keeping one, Fred's keeping the other one, we move on. That's pretty much what we're going to have to do. I mean, what, what are we supposed to do? Trying our best to give away the Rolexes. Um, you need to help us. The user IDs are in the Discord. Go and check. Go and check your Bybit user ID against the user IDs in the Discord. Also, while you're there, sign up to Discord. There's over 40,000 people in the Discord. An amazing, amazing, amazing alpha. In fact, the best alpha in crypto sits on the Discord and on the show. So speaking of alpha, today I'm going to bring you the highest alpha per minute show on the entire interwebs. All you got to do, you got to subscribe to the channel, like this content, help us share this content, help me get to 2,000 likes on the show. Um, also, let's break the YouTube algorithm. Just tell, tell the YouTube algorithm how much you're enjoying the show in the comments. That's how we, um, that's how we, we, we get distribution of the show that we work so hard to bring you every single day. All right, let's talk about alpha. So I did say to you that this red candle, which is the price effects of the Silvergate bank collapse that happened last week, and these, this sideways movement was actually interrelated. I'm going to show you how this sideways movement is interrelated. It's very, very, very boring price action. If you look at the at the four-hour chart, so let's just quickly go on to the four-hour chart. I don't think I've ever seen this on Bitcoin. So if you look at the, the closing candles and you look at the range of the closing candles, you can see the bottom of the, of the range closes was about 22,250. And the top of the candles was 22,438, which means all these four-hour candles had less than $200 between them. That's a sign. That's telling you something. Because why is Bitcoin flatlined? Well, Bitcoin is flatlined because in order to get the price of Bitcoin up, we need to get new money into the market. I'm going to show you why the prices aren't going up and how something is happening that may drive the prices even slightly down, even, even slightly down. So that's what we're going to, one of the things we're going to talk about. Um, I did also see a few cool things on, so the Dixie is now back at a critical point. Remember this line over here, this trend line that the Dixie has been following? Let me just actually make it a little bit more accurate. So you can see that the Dixie is just breaking below this trend line. So it's a very, very, very critical level now for the Dixie. This Dixie and this SP, S&P 500 actually tell an amazing story. So we were tracking the S&P 500 on this trend that it had been on since November 2022. See this trend, this trend that we had gone down. And what you can see is that what it did here was it gave the perfect retest of this trend line, which is a very, very, very bullish sign. At the same time, we were also looking at this trend over here on the S&P 500. And what you can see that the, that now the S&P has bounced back into trend. So you're above this trend line with a bounce and you're above this trend line as well, which is very, very, very bullish. So what you're seeing is you're seeing a scenario where you've got the Dixie potentially breaking down below this range and you've got the S&P 500 breaking above this very, very, very bullish for stock markets. But then you've got Bitcoin just moving sideways. And I'm going to show you why Bitcoin is just moving sideways and why Bitcoin can't get some momentum because right now Bitcoin is, is lost for momentum. And after we had two good months, well, we had one really good month, January, 40% up in January, February, as I said to you before, marginally up. Now we are in March. And as we stand in March, let me just refresh this. So I don't give you fake information or wrong information or, or something like that. Uh, let's look at the monthly. I think, yeah, we minus 3% in March, but March has still got a long way to go. We've still got like 20, 24, 25 days left in March. Um, looking at the altcoins today, 
pretty much mostly red, mostly, mostly, mostly red. And that's, of course, following Bitcoin's lead. So let's look into it. And I'm going to show you what's actually going on here, because not many people can actually see what's going on here. Not many people can see what's going on here and why Bitcoin is moving in the sideways range. I'm going to show you in a second. Um, let me know that you're present while I just do what I need to do. Colombian flu was a long weekend. Someone says FTT is green. Oh my God. So yes, we know that. Oh my God. All right. So let me show you what's going on here. Let me show you what's going on here because we're now at a very critical point and I'll show you why we're at a critical point. We're at a critical point. Why? Why? Because if you look at Bitcoin on the daily chart, what you can see is that Bitcoin is actually fighting for its life here. I know most people can't see this, but actually we're at a very, very, very critical point for Bitcoin. I want to show you why. So most people are looking at Bitcoin and seeing the chart. But what we're seeing here is we started here, we've got a higher high here. And as it currently stands, we do have a higher high here. So right now, what, what we can see about Bitcoin is that Bitcoin is actually really fighting for its life in this uptrend. But if we break down below this level over here, which is about 21,600, in fact, let's be more technical about it, 21,400, if we break down below there, then we've invalidated this higher high and we've invalidated this upward trend. But right now, as it stands, what I see in this chart is that we are at the bottom of the range here and potentially about to start off the next part of this upward trend. And if I'm right, then the risk return of getting into this trade now is fantastic if I'm right. So if I were trading this move, I'm not trading this move, but if I was actually trading this move, then I would say I'd be getting in here and I'd be invalidating it as soon as we broke down below this um, uh, uh, this previous the, this previous low. So got a uh, high, got a low. You got a higher low. Then you got a higher low here. You got a higher high here and a higher high here. So um, uh, this could be the beginning of another move up, uh, exactly like actually happened in 2019. So if you compare that to the 2019 fractal, you know I mean for those of you who believe in fractals, look here. So you've got this 20, 2023 fractal playing out exactly like the 2019 fractal. Now, 2019 fractal actually broke up, broke upwards. And you can see where that took us. In fact, it took Bitcoin up like 50, 60%. So that is one, one thing that may be playing out here. And for me, this whole cycle has played out exactly like 2019. So this is something that you need to watch. Let's look at this trend line for the first point of invalidation. And then let's look at this uh this low as the second part of invalidation but other other than that i'm actually staying rather bullish there is of course the flip side of the scenario which is you know like we had in november um before ftx collapsed where we had this upward trending pattern and then you know we had this this higher low and this and this other higher low and then we broke down quite aggressively um with this ftx red candle and we could be playing that scenario and if we are playing that scenario there is actually only one thing that could play that scenario and that is a collapse of maybe binance or maybe tether but mainly binance and there is a lot of binance fight happening at the moment if if the charts are to repeat the 2022 charts then maybe this binance fud is preemptive and there is one sec ex sec commissioner um, not commissioner, but but enforcement agent, who says my take 
finance-related criminal and civil prosecutions are actually imminent. So this is quite scary. He's saying it's imminent. So we're going to dig into that story in, in a couple of seconds because it forms part of a much, much, much bigger picture. Not everyone can see what's happening in this picture. I'm going to, I'm going to draw, I'm going to show you exactly what's happening. It's not as simplistic as it seems. It's not as disconnected as it seems. Actually, what hap what's happening is it all started right here when you go into the hourly chart and you see this big red candle. This big red candle over here is when Silvergate Bank had its collapse last week. And this Silvergate Bank collapse, I don't know if you remember, but all the exchanges basically abandoned Silvergate and said, look, we, we, we can't be part of this. This is too dangerous. There's too much, too much regulatory scrutiny, too much uncertainty, too much, too many liquidity issues. We can't be caught banking with a bank that's got liquidity issues because maybe our customers' funds will actually stay um, uh, 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 stuck uh, on, on this, on the, in this bank. So we're not really going to get involved. And, and so we saw all the, the big crypto exchanges actually pull out of Silvergate Bank last week. And one of the things that Silvergate Bank said in its statements last week is it said something along the lines of, we are expecting a lot more regulatory scrutiny. That's what they're saying. They were expecting a whole lot of regu regu regulatory scrutiny. And they said that there is a chance that the bank will be less well capitalized than it needs to be to continue its operation. So that's the two um, uh, uh, signs that are happening. But if you dig a little deeper, what you will see is you will see a couple of other clues. So remember, on the one hand, you've got this Silvergate candle. Then you've got Bitcoin moving sideways and really not being able to gain any type of momentum up, even though the stock market is strong and the Dixie are strong. So what does that tell you? Well, remember, to push the price of Bitcoin up, you need to be in a position where if people want to trade Bitcoin or put new money into the market to trade Bitcoin, they need to have a way to get their money from their bank accounts, from outside of the crypto world, into the crypto world. So if you're a trader, you're watching this, you're saying, wow, you know, to me, 22,431 looks cheap. I want to buy this Bitcoin. What do you need to do? You need to move money from your bank account into crypto. That's what you got to be doing. Problem is that right now, it's becoming very, very, very difficult to do that. And the reason why it's becoming very difficult to do that is because the one bank that most exchanges were using for their fiat on-ramps and off-ramps was Silvergate. And the problem is that Silvergate now, they've all abandoned Silvergate and they're all looking for other options to get, to get fiat on-ramps and off-ramps. Also, don't forget, don't forget, but we also have um, let me try to find this for you because I did see something something very cool here. Um, we did we do have this. Um, hold on, there we go. So this is the Silvergate Network. This is Silvergate Network. It's called Silvergate Exchange Network. Now, this Silvergate Exchange Network was a piece of software which allowed these exchanges to shuffle money between themselves 24-7-365, right? So that's what Silvergate Exchange Network was. Now, Silvergate Exchange Network has now been shut down because all the exchanges have abandoned it. And because, as they say, it's a risk-based decision. So they're so worried about what the regulator is going to do that they shut down the Silvergate Exchange Network. Now, when they shut down the Silvergate Exchange Network, one of the things that they did, and I want to show you an image here, it says, and this was from Duo9, he says, 
looks like people can't move money around anymore or it's too hard to do it during the weekends. Silvergate was open 24 seven to move cash around. And so what we're seeing here is we're seeing that people can't move money in and out of the system. And as a result, there's no price action on Bitcoin because you just can't get money in and out anymore. Like, like you used to be able to get money in while Silvergate was, was servicing all these exchanges. And, and again, the reason why Silvergate went down specifically is because of regulator accusations, regulatory scrutiny, and people just abandoning the bank because of that. And also because they invested a whole lot of money in long-term uh, uh, investments. And a lot of their customers actually are, are, are running for the door now, which makes their liquidity, their liquidity not so great. And so you've got the regulators systematically here attacking crypto. They know that Silvergate Bank is the one place that moves the most money in crypto. In fact, let me show you uh, um, some stats. But just to give an idea of the size of how much money used to flow through Silvergate Exchange Network. In last year, let's just look at four quarters of last year. So one, let's just look at the last four quarters. You're talking about almost over a trillion dollars over a trillion dollars, $1.4 trillion flowed through Silvergate Bank. This was a huge hub for getting money inside and outside of the crypto ecosystem. And now what, what the regulators have done effectively is they've put Silvergate out of business. And by putting Silvergate out of business effectively, what they've done is they've killed the Silvergate Exchange Network, which was the platform that all these exchanges used to get money in and out of the system. And so as a result, we cannot get any price movement in Bitcoin because that would mean new money coming into the ecosystem. And new money can't come into the ecosystem because the regulators have completely are completely succeeding in what we've called Operation Choke Point. If you cut off the on-ramps and off-ramps to crypto by making it so hard for any bank to accept crypto deposits, for any bank to take on new exchanges, then effectively what you're doing is you're choking the amount of money that can come into crypto. And if you choke the amount of money that could come into crypto, the problem is that you cannot get this price to start moving. And that's really what's happening here. And you can see it in, in many other places. You can see here that if you look at, at the statistics here, the liquidity of Bitcoin is, is pretty much near an all-time low. Not only that, not only that. We had a move last week in crypto. We had a, a move last week in crypto. And it was the biggest liquidation event since the FTX collapse. And it wasn't even such a big move. So why did we get such big liquidations with such a small move in the Bitcoin price? Well, the answer is very simple. Again, the answer is liquidity. If you cannot get money into the ecosystem, if you can't bring more money into the ecosystem, then the problem is that you get liquidated. Whereas in the past, if you saw that you were about to get liquidated, you could immediately go and transfer money from outside of crypto into the crypto ecosystem. That's what's happening. Here. And, and at the same time, I'm reminding you that what the regulators have done is they've destroyed BUSD. BUSD is now a non-entity. I'll quickly show you the market cap of BUSD. But you can see at the same time as this operation choke point, what you can see is that the BUSD... Uh, market cap. Let me show it to you. 
There we go. So that let me just go to, um, to uh, market cap of BUSD. But you can see the BUSD market cap is starting to come down because these BUSD are starting to get redeemed. And it's again, it's money coming out of the system, but no money going into the system. So it's like a bucket. It's like a bucket that's got a hole in it because this is the hole in the bucket. And no new water is coming in because you've you've choked off the banking the banking relationships. You've made it almost impossible for 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 the for people to bank crypto exchanges and bank crypto people and bring money into the into the into the ecosystem. Now, rest assured that this is a very 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 highly coordinated attack by the U.S. by the regulators by the incumbents in in this industry. To, con to control, let me just kill that, to control the amount of money that is moving into crypto. It's a highly, highly, highly regulated, it's a highly, highly coordinated attack. Otherwise, why would you kill BUSD and then within less than one month, you kill Silvergate Bank, which you know is the major on-ramp and off-ramp and the major way that exchanges move money around. It's not coincidental. It is completely, completely, completely coordinated. You've got to be able... You got to be able to see what's going on here. There's no, there's zero coincidence about uh, what's going on here. The issue for me is that a lot of the the people, a lot of people knew that this attack was coming on Silvergate Bank, and one of the people that was very, very, very vocal about um, this attack that was coming on Silvergate Bank was Mark Cohodes. So Marco Hodes was one, he's a, a well-renowned short seller and he came out and he made a lot of noise about this attack, which was coming on Silvergate. He said they'd be implicated for a lot of things that they did on FTX. And he, he was actually, he shorted Silvergate Bank. He must've made a packet doing it. Now, a lot of the exchanges that have abandoned Silvergate Bank went and moved to Signature Bank because there are not many other banking options. There's not many other places, if you want to be a crypto exchange, there are not many other banks that will accept crypto-related companies or specifically exchanges as customers. I mean, you had Silvergate Bank, you had another bank, I think it was called Margin Bank or Marginal Bank or whatever it was called. And then you've got Signature Bank. Now, the problem is that the same person who was calling for the demise of, of Silvergate Bank is now talking about the demise of, of Signature Bank. He's saying, you know, he's saying that, that, he says, the great thing about letters to FDIC, uh, SDNY, SEC, all these regulatory authorities, no one can deny they didn't know what was going on. Then there are the auditors and former and formers. My DMs are open and would appreciate all I can help. And he tags he tags the two banks. So it could be, it, it, to me, it looks like this operation choke point of what it, or whatever you want to call it is very, very, very much in effect. So you've got... The regulators going after BUSD through Paxos, then going after Silvergate Bank. Now everyone's moving to Signature Bank. And then after that, there's not many other banks that you can really get money in and out of the crypto ecosystem with. Very, 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 very few banks. And if that happens, well, you know, you're cutting off the money, the new money that can be coming into crypto. That money is basically that lifeline's cut off. And then you basically have a bucket, like I said, with holes where money can flow out because you can easily get your money out of the crypto ecosystem, but you just can't get money into the crypto ecosystem. And that's that's a massive, massive problem. And so I do believe that that the reason for this 
is the lack of liquidity in Bitcoin. And until we can allow new money to come into the ecosystem, and I don't know how we can get new money to come into the ecosystem when the banks are basically suffocating us and not, not letting us breathe, um, we're not going to get another move up on Bitcoin. At the same time, we're also getting huge attacks on some of the biggest exchanges in crypto. So, I mean, you must have seen what's going on with Binance. It's something that I want to talk about here because last week there was a lot of, a lot, an increase, let's call it, like a, 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 a marked increase in the FUD against Binance. It was sparked by a Forbes article. So there was a, a Forbes article. I'm, uh, I don't have that article because I think it was, it was actually stuck behind a paywall, but there was a, a whole Forbes article around Binance. Then we had a whole lot of senators, including, of course, Senator Karen, of course, um, but bi bipartisan senators who wrote CZ a letter. And in this letter, they have accused CZ and Binance of many things, but one, avoid evading the US regulators or specifically setting up their exchange to evade the US regulators. They accuse them of, of money laundering, of, of taking in customers without the right KYC. In fact, they, they accuse them pretty much of being a, a money laundering organization. So facilitating money laundering and, and sanctions evading. It's a pretty, pretty steep um, letter. Now, on Friday, as this will, while we were reading this letter, um, we also just ran a spaces. We ran a, a very cool spaces. And what we saw while we were on the spaces is it was Friday night, CZ was somewhere and he made, he just jumped onto our spaces and we started to chat and I chatted to him specifically about this FUD and about this letter. So of these two planes, which are, which are coming towards us, one being, you know, Mount Gox, uh, Mount Gox, uh, uh, release of coins, which we think is going to happen, uh, over the next six months or maybe eight months. And then East Shanghai basically bringing more liquidity onto the market. Very keen to to understand how how you seeing this event. Uh, hey Ren, um, thanks. He was just chilling. And, on Friday uh, night. Well, thanks to everyone. And uh, to be honest, I was just like you know chilling on a Friday night, and um, so I joined just to chill out. And I just want to get away from, from some fud that's happening. Um, there was a fud about <laughs> some FBI shot me and stuff like that. So, but anyway, so. Uh, um, on this topic, I actually think that Mongok. No, before we Mongo before 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 we get onto this topic, there's been a lot of fud about you these days, and it's it's actually becoming quite blatant. I mean, the Forbes article was a joke. The you read the Forbes, it it just feels like these guys are are clutching at straws. I don't know. It just feels like it's these fickle articles. Anybody in that's in crypto reads these articles and goes, I mean, come on, these are these attacks are completely ridiculous uh, i don't know how else to see it where do you think these attacks are coming from why is it the same people attacking you over and over and over again um okay so yeah sorry to derail, derail or try the, the topic a little bit but um you know reuters wrote like 30 negative articles about us in the last six months and now we have senators yes. in the u.s um writing letters to us uh asking questions based on those articles those articles are completely baseless they have no facts. Um, they are completely just narratives. But you know, we got senators and regulators asking us questions. So maybe that's a strategy by somewhat by somebody. I don't know, but maybe it's not. It's hard to tell. But you know, uh, we, yes. we 
we just we just gotta do what we think is right. So we just gotta carry on. We just gotta do. We protect our users. We stood up to pressure. Well, we can definitely stood up to pressures. So we just gotta make sure that we hold. We always hold users' funds one to one. People want to withdraw, they can withdraw. People want to stay, they can stay. So, so you see what's going on here is the problem is that the senators aren't doing any of their own research. They're just reading what's in the mainstream media. They're not. They don't have special private investigators or whatever else. The senators get their narrative from the mainstream media. And the mainstream media clearly has an agenda, or specifically certain outlets in the mainstream media, and particularly I know of three of these outlets in the mainstream media. So the first outlet is the Wall Street Journal. The second one is Reuters. The third one is Forbes. Those three seem to have a huge agenda against Binance and against CZ. And the problem is that the politicians are looking at this and they're going, look, if the Wall Street Journal publish a piece or if Forbes publish a piece, or if, I don't know, the New York Times, another one of those culprits publish publishes a piece, they have to read it and, oh, hold on, someone, someone says, hold on, I'm just reading a WhatsApp here. Someone says I must fire James. I can't fire James. <laughs> um, we can't fire James. We, even, even with, with Miller, we can't, we can't fire James. We're not allowed to fire James. Uh, that was the poll on Friday, which happened on Friday. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't part of the poll. All right, so you do have all this. Uh, in fact, let me just fix my color here slightly. Some people are complaining that the color is a bit too colorful. Maybe something like that. Yeah, let's, let's do something like that. Maybe I look less colorful. My hair looks brown. Okay, so I must make my hair look not brown. There, how's that? I love, today I love brown hair. <laughs> Hold on, let's, let's fix that. All right, so you are getting, you are getting a lot of um, uh, the same outlets reporting bad things about Binance. Um, and it looks like these attacks seem to be much more more coordinated specifically now there was another piece now around binance and specifically in this piece around binance they it was done by the wall street journal it came out yesterday in the wall street journal and specifically um it says text from crypto giant binance reveal plan to elude us authorities now what is this about this is about binance specifically setting up a us subsidiary, which is not owned by Binance. But what they're saying is it was like not owned by Binance, but actually really it was owned by Binance. And the whole thing is that they wanted to separate the, the, the US entity from the other entities. And what this article is saying is that that whole separation was actually one huge big charade and that actually they're not really separated. And this article goes to, to, to talk about a whole lot of things, but specifically it talks about like like things like um, how there was a master plan to, um, yeah, I, I read it. The strategy, the strategy centered around on a bare bones American platform, Binance US, that would license Binance's technology and brand, but otherwise appear to be a wholly independent, independent, wholly independent of Binance.com. It would shield from US regulator street scrutiny into the larger Binance.com, which would exclude US users. Okay, but what this article is arguing is that these two companies, Binance.com and Binance.us, were actually much more intertwined than they would have been disclosed. And they're saying, look, they mixed staff, they mixed finances, they mixed developers, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, uh, I want to just show you, like, like 
let's just quickly search for the word VPN here. You can see that a lot of them, they, they, they reference a Telegram chat where there was a whole lot of, of, of chatter. And in that Telegram chat amongst the Binance employees, one of the things that was said was have them be creative and VPN, basically saying, look, we need to have a VPN so that even though we're doing things from the same place, you wouldn't know and you think it's part of the the um, the uh, uh, not part of the international Binance. So it's accusing it's accusing Binance of of actually owning Binance.us but not actually doing it. They also reference another uh, part here where a um, one of the Chinese developers or one of the international developers uh, actually switched on trading in the US entity before it was time. And it was like, you know, how did that happen if the two actually aren't related? How did that actually happen? So that's what this piece is about. This is the 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 new piece, the new hit piece that the Wall Street Journal did. Um, I don't know. I mean, I read it. I didn't think there was much substance here. I really didn't think there was much substance here. Then on top of all of this, there is another attack. This time, get this attack, okay? So the attack says SEC staff believe Binance.us is operating an, unreg an unregistered securities exchange. I mean, that's pretty serious allegations, especially from the SEC, which are now going after everyone. They're now saying that Binance.us is operating an unregistered securities exchange. But then two things are written in this article. The reason why they're saying this is in particular, they... SEC lawyer William Updgrove also raised concerns that offering the sale of Voyager's VGX tokens have attributes of a security transaction. And that's why they're saying that it's operating a, a unregistered security exchange because of the VGX or Voyager token, okay? Now, this is that it comes at a time where the SEC tried to block Binance's purchase and salvage of Voyager. Now, for a body that is supposed to be protecting investors, surely the SEC wants as many people as possible to get their money back, as many Voyager depositors as possible to get their money back. And the one body that is actually standing in the way of this is the SEC. The SEC has come out and said, well, they try to block Binance's is, as takeover of Voyager. But the judge didn't take very well to this. He, he, the judge in the case, didn't take very well to this. He says, he said, look, he said to the SEC, he says, the securities regulator said the $1 billion deal should be blocked because Voyager's token could constitute an unregistered security. So imagine, imagine like you've got millions of creditors, millions of depositors, and then the SEC who's supposed to protect you comes in and says, well, no, 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 hold on. We're going to block this whole transaction. Why? Because Voyager have a token and token could be a security. I mean, how is that protecting investors? Anyway, the judge was very, very, very upset about this. And he said something like, he says, you come here and tell me that I should stop everybody in their tracks because you might have an issue. It's kind of a weird objection, the judge said. The judge also said, he said, he was absolutely shocked at the SEC's objection, showing it was asking Voyager to prove a negative with little guidance from the regulator. He says, I get the feeling that this objection has been made as a kind of cover, so you can say later that we'll see that we'll see we raised the issues. He says, but you haven't really raised the issues. You've done nothing. I need to know the specifics. Okay, so the judge actually came out and he nailed the SEC. He nailed them. He's like, guys, what are you doing? You're coming here to block this because you think that the Voyager token might be a security, 
you're not even telling us why it's a security. You just think it might be a security. And you are therefore ruining the potential claims of so many of, of, of these innocent investors. Um, but again, you can see it's targeted. It's targeted at Binance. Targeted at the SEC doesn't want Binance taking over Voyager. They don't want Binance to become stronger. It's an attack and it's targeted at Binance. That's pretty much what it is. And these attacks continue. Like, you know, like CZ said, he said, you know, people were saying that he got shot. This is from a, a WeWork, uh, sorry, WeChat in China. And it says, I got shot by the FBI, uh, who my team are working with closely. So, I mean, how crazy is that? That's maybe why he jumped on our spaces on a Friday, because, yeah, legend judge, legend judge. That's maybe why he jumped on our spaces on a Friday, because, you know, maybe he just wanted to prove that he's actually alive. I don't know. He did sound a bit drunk, but we won't go into that. That's, now's not a good time. Anyway, um, this guy, John Reed Stark, said something pretty interesting. I did show it to you in the beginning of the show. He, by the way, is a chief office of internet enforcement, former SEC, chief office of internet enforcement. He says, my take on this whole Binance-related civil, he says, there are civil or criminal procedure prosecutions imminent. This is coming from someone at the SEC. He says, uh, seems axiomatic that Binance, Binance at US is an unlawful incestuous relationship and Binance has secretly sought to conceal US ties to solicit and transact with US investors. His, from his experience, he's saying right now that it feels like the SEC is about to start some kind of prosecutions against him. I believe that if the SEC go after Binance, I believe that Binance will actually fight. And I think it will be quite a big fight. It'll be like, you know, up until now, the SEC bullies small exchanges. They can't afford to fight them. Um, but generally, you know, every now and then, like, like the Ripple case and like Brian Armstrong stood up from Coinbase, the big guys may actually fight back. And I think if Binance actually fight back, it's going to be a very interesting fight. I mean, I definitely pay to get ringside seats at that fight, to be honest. I definitely do that. Oh, listen, look, that's not the only fight around. So remember I said to you, there's, there's two things that I think can cause a big red candle like this. One is Binance, the other one is Tether. Well, Tether's also getting attacked. This time, first of all, if, if you're new to crypto, when you hear Tether being attacked, when you hear FUD against Tether, you know that it's just before an upswing. You know that it's fake FUD because since 2017 and 2018, none of the tether fud has actually been able to stick and right now there is more tether fud they're saying that they because their banking relationships were cut off they had to start using fake documents and shelf companies and stuff like that and again who is it it's the wall street journal same same bunch of people um same bunch of people but look there is something here that that you need to notice is, is um that one of the the tether um uh officials actually did have an email saying that let me see if I can find you this email. Um, he, he didn't have an email saying, look, he'd be, he, he wouldn't want to defend this in the court because they were actually faking documents. So yeah, uh, brief crypto, you need to write, please, you, you're late. Uh, you need to write in the comments a thousand times. I will never be late again for class. I will never be late for, for class again. Just, um, yeah, just hit, hit it in the comments. We'll, we'll be watching. All right, what else is there? There's a whole lot of other stuff happening. Um, The regulatory attack is not actually only about centralized entities. I did say to you guys a while back, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna push a sponsor of the show here, but it's important that I tell you why. I did tell you guys a while back 
that I heard that the decentralized protocols were also starting to get notices and subpoenas about users specifically in, in the United States and specifically around staking. Now, I heard that. At the same time, the bankless guys also heard that. I'll play you a little, a little section here. In the news, Ryan, uh, is just because of the connections I have in this space. And like I was mentioning at the, the bankless uh, meetup yesterday, uh, there I have wind that many, 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 uh, what's it called? Wells notices have been issued to many of the DeFi apps, orgs that we all know and love. Uh, Wells notices got shot out across across the industry in 2022 in a, or just no, even in more the recent. last week we have really? so look i heard the same thing he then later withdrew his statement he then later withdrew his statement he said i talked a lot of guys he said it's a, it's a rumor sorry for spreading fud but i heard the same fud now usually when there is this fud and it comes from multiple places and multiple sources it sometimes does turn out to be true and so that's this is where i'm going to plug a sponsor because i think it's important that i say this to you guys i know you think that when you're dealing with an exchange a decentralized exchange or a decentralized protocol that you're safe. And if specifically if you're in the US or if you're in other restricted territories, I know you think that you're safe, but you're actually not. They can, because these protocols are not as decentralized as we'd like them to be yet, they can actually send summonses, subpoenas, and ask for information from the decentralized protocols. That is why I keep saying to you guys, you need to get yourselves a VPN because a VPN masks your IP address. So you don't want your IP address to be to be visible. And so that's why we partnered up with NordVPN. You can protect your, your, your IP address and protect your crypto for less than $4 a month. There's a referral link below. I didn't do this to plug a sponsor, but I do think it's important with all the regulatory scrutiny that's happening right now. You don't want regulators to know who you are and where you are. And the only way to do that is to mask your IP address and it costs less than $3 a month to do it. So just go and do it. Trust me, there's a referral link below. Anyway, let's quickly look at macro this week. This is quite a big macro week. We have Powell. Remember I said to you, we, we have something very interesting happening on the charts. So you have the Dixie, which is getting weaker and weaker. In fact, getting back to the 104 levels. You have the S&P 500 now on the up again, as you can see, back in trend and just bounced off the perfect retest here. At the same time, you have Powell speaking twice this week. Tomorrow, he's testifying in the Senate Banking Committee. And a lot of what he's going to be testifying about is about how increasing interest rates may lead to a recession. And so it may put some pressure on him to, to go easy on increasing interest rates. So everybody is going to watch this probabilities chart, which is now, let's just refresh it because I'd hate to give you outdated information by 15 minutes. That would be very bad. 30% that we're getting a 50 basis point rate hike and 70% that we're getting a 25 basis point rate hike. The truth is none of this actually happens. Nothing matters because there is an inflation reading on the 14th of March. If that inflation CPI reading comes up higher than expected, we're getting a 50 basis point rate hike. If it comes out the same or lower than we expected, we're getting a 25 basis point rate hike. So all this speculation, you're speculating without having information. Now I did look at trueflation. Trueflation is forecasting that the real inflation rate in the US is about 4.83% and that the government is reporting 6.4%. Trueflation is also showing me that we're in a clear downtrend. So let's wait and see what happens with CPI. And if CPI comes in where trueflation says it is or in a direction where trueflation says it is, then maybe we do get a 25 basis point rate hike. This chart continues to go up. This chart 
continues to go down. And this chart is suffocated because they've cut off all our on-ramps and off-ramps of getting more money into the ecosystem, which is a big problem. Massive, massive, massive problem. Anyway, you want to speak about problems? Let's talk about problems. Imagine you were a fund manager and you managed one of the biggest funds in crypto. And you were highly, highly, highly renowned in the crypto game. And then your fund lost 91.4% of its value in one year. But that's what happened to Multicoin's fund. So Multicoin Capital's hedge fund lost 91.4% in 2022. Now, that just shows you that if you didn't lose 91.4% of your capital, that means you outperformed some of the best fund managers in crypto last year. I don't know. Jimmy, did you lose 91.4% of your capital last year? So you outperformed Multicoin Capital. Joe, the Irishman, did you lose Did you lose more than 91.4% of your portfolio last year? No. You outperformed. Let me know in the comments if you managed to outperform um, if you manage to outperform Multicoin Capital. Now, they don't suck. They are one of the best fund managers out there. I want to show you something. And even after this, even after this drawdown, actually, they were still up. As a fund, the fund is still up, even though they're up 91.4%. And the reason why that happened was because, I'll try and find you this chart, but this was their chart. At one point, they had a 20,000% return on their fund, and then they just went back down, and now they, they just, 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 just outperformed. In fact, they're still outperforming Bitcoin and still outperforming the Bitwise 10 since the inception of their fund, even after a 91% drop. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm actually invested in this fund. So um, I have been watching it. But the main thing is that they're questioning a lot of their assumptions after all of this. And specifically, I read here that they're questioning, you know, they were very big in Solana. They were very big in the Solana ecosystem. And they say something very interesting and very important that you just tell me if you outperformed them or you didn't, but it says, we have expressed our continued conviction in Solana and its ecosystem over many years and reiterated that in our last letter, some of you have asked us if the current events surrounding FTX and subsequent price action have influenced our thinking. We've asked ourselves over and over and over if we're falling victim to groupthink or confirmation buying. Are we being foolish? Are we being stubborn? Are we being prideful? It is very easy to doubt your conviction when the market votes against, your, against you with price and sentiment. But the technologists in us remain extremely compelled by what we see and the fundamentalists in us are still intact. And unlike the last cycle, basically what they're saying is even having questioned their conviction for Solana multiple times, they are very, very, very much uh, fans of Solana. They keep their conviction in Solana. They give a whole lot of reasons why they keep their conviction in Solana, but amongst them is this new fire dancer that Jump Capital is launching, which is like a layer two on Solana, which is going to make it much more efficient. Many, many, many protocols moving onto Solana. In fact, uh, I did see that Render ran a vote about which blockchain it should move to, and 55% said Solana, and the next biggest one, I think, was Polygon with 14%. So um, just, just showing you that, just showing you that, uh, it does look like they, they, even though they, they had such a big drawdown, they do maintain their conviction. They do maintain their conviction. Um, there's also rumors now, by the way, that Amazon is launching an NFT marketplace. So it's unconfirmed. Obviously, we don't have sources. Uh, we did pick up these tweets um, saying that Amazon is preparing to sell NFTs on its website 
which is expected to go live on April 24th. And what we know about this, we don't know much information, but we do know that 15 series will be launched on this launch. And we've also, again, unconfirmed reports. We can't verify any of this, but we, we've also heard that it's, um, that it's going to be um, uh, on a non-EVM chain. So it's not going to be Avalanche. It's not going to be Matic. It's not going to be Ethereum. It's a non-EVM chain. Now, I don't know, non-EVM chain, Solana? Could Amazon build on Solana? Would they build their own blockchain? I mean, if they weren't building, if they said non-EVM chain, what? where would they launch? Where would they launch? I don't know. Near Solana? What else is a good non-EVM chain? Cardano? They, I mean, they could launch on Cardano. They could. Which one? Algorand's non-EVM. Yeah, maybe they're launching an Algorand. Maybe. Maybe they Polkadot, Substrate. It's complicated, but Amazon could do it. So let's keep our eyes open. Let's keep our eyes open. Beth said not, not ADA. Listen, Beth, you say what you want to say. I'm not saying anything. I'm not getting involved in this because you know what happens to the, 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 the community. Um, it's, previously, it's previously cooperated with AVAX. It's not AVAX, so it's a non-EVM chain. You see? will be hosted on a non-EVM compatible blockchain. So sorry to all of you who thought it was going to be AVAX or Ethereum or Polygon or, or whatever else. It's not happening. All right. A uh, couple of other things that are happening. A couple of other things that are happening. Kraken is launching a bank, apparently. Maybe that's the bank that's going to get us, have us have off, off ramps and on ramps into crypto. Um, I wonder why Kraken is launching a bank when they know how hard the regulatory environment is at the moment and they've just settled with the sec why would you launch a bank i don't know, I don't know. it's crazy uh let's see what else is happening there's a lot going on here lots going on here i see a help press after he had a dig at us last week now realizes that actually the we were right and the mount gox distributions actually are happening from march 10th to september so it's, it is happening uh, he does say something interesting he says something i just said he said actually gox is a three billion dollar airdrop some of this will result in Bitcoin sell pressure, but others will actually move, sell Bitcoin and move into um, altcoins. So there is going to be this wealth transfer we need to keep our eyes open for. Um, Uniswap is hitting big hurdles with Apple. They're trying to launch an, uh, their new app, but Apple keeps blocking their app. So we'll keep a, we'll keep a, uh, we'll keep abreast of that story. Anyway, listen, guys, I have to go because I'm doing a DCA show on CTO license channel, which starts in about seven minutes. So I will see you guys again on that show. So go to CTO license channel and join us for that show. It's uh, myself, CTO Larson and James from Invest Answers. Um, and otherwise, I'll see you guys again tomorrow. So yeah, for those of you who were late for class, don't be late tomorrow. See you guys again tomorrow. Until then, trade well, my friends. And wait, wait, before you go, go and claim the Rolexes on our Discord. Josh, re-discord, re-tweet, re-redo re that 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 list so we can give away the watches. If we don't give away the watches by the end of March, I get one and Fred gets one. So help us help you guys. See you guys again tomorrow. Until then, trade well, my friends.